0: Welcome, one and all, to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek Discovery podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Welcome to the future, Pete.
1: One eye. We're not pirates. Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, for episode 303, People of Earth, comes to you now via Orion Tango
0: and news from the fleet before this episode leaves orbit pete first thing uh we certainly respect the variety of binary and non-binary pronouns available for the narrative of this episode that we are about to dig into adira is presented as female and we will use she her pronouns for the character as she's presented thus far uh i think that certainly may change in the future episodes but uh we're sticking kind of with the with the internal nomenclature as given in this episode despite the larger uh the the larger social connections you know just as pete last week we pretended oh no will burnham ever return you know so too are we playing by the rules of this episode for this week
1: and given that blue del barrio prefers they as a pronoun i think that sooner rather than later that's going to be the case particularly with what is revealed in this episode
0: also uh pete going from one galaxy to another uh we of course will be recording our mandalorian podcast for episode 201 uh tomorrow however pete it'll be after a a time jump what with the clocks changing and (sighs) a new month so still somehow very star trek in our star wars
1: pete when will people be able to listen to that so mando monday is a thing and uh we're down with that but if you check your feeds for the Mandalorian podcast by fantastic geek odds are you're gonna see that come later sundays so keep an ear out
0: with that let's head into our mission briefing
1: Starfleet debris floats by the courier waypoint where Commander Michael Burnham records an automatic transmission to Discovery on Stardate 865211.3, where or whenever it may be. From Federation Liaison Adida Seaheal, she has learned 700 years ago dilithium supplies dried up. Federation tried alternative warp drives, but none took and then the burn. Sahil shows Burnham a hologram depicting the positions of what we flash into for seemingly an imagined flashback of uh, interestingly designed ships. There's many that are just saucer sections. Um, And of course, they all detonate um, after the dilithium in an instant went Inert, and all these active warp cores blew up. Uh, she tells them they didn't give everything for this vision of the future.
0: It's also mentioned that uh, due to the burn and the end of uh, warp travel, the Federation, uh, or the, the the you know the, the end of major warp travel, the Federation essentially faded overnight. Burnham, in this recap for us slash discovery slash us. Uh, Says that she is a courier, which allows her to continue the search for discovery for remnants of Starfleet. Uh, We get a montage of her hair growing, of time going by.
1: Well, you go back up, though. You notice what she got from the one guy as a courier, right?
0: Uh, NCC4774, which uh, I I think, Pete, that was I didn't see the preview for this episode, but that uh, that screen cap was up very quickly last week uh so uh, i guess when i saw that screen cap i said oh she's gonna meet a federation ship other than discovery um and it didn't quite go anywhere so i guess she still is looking for it or the mystery of ncc 4774 is still out there or it's just a fun little callback to the whole federation star trek number thing
1: i was just gonna say that um but on to your montage there
0: Yes, her hair is growing, time is going by. She notes that this world is a strange, beautiful dream, uh, which she reflects upon as we are shown her doing uh, combat simulations with a hollow guy. Uh, We get a little bit of the show's authorial flourish as she's both giving this voiceover message, um, presumably at some point she is sending this message out, but it gets interrupted uh, mid-message. Uh, by the return of discovery um and again i say authorial flourish because she's not in the middle of giving this when it is interrupted so it's a fun little narrative device here pete i like that we get no cut to footage from last week we can figure out in this the year of our star trek 2020 we don't need the tick tack and toe all together she gets an important message. Cut to Burnham beaming over to Discovery. In our minds, we can understand the chronology. Uh, we get Pete. We've gone from a hair-growing montage to a hugging montage. Uh, she hugs both series leads and Canadian bridge crew. Uh, Giorgio looking on from the back, nodding a hello, not smiling. Pete, I think we feel the love there, even though Giorgio is loath to share it.
1: A couple things. The the montage with the hair growth which we'd seen more than a year ago. Um and Pete, uh Pete,
0: was this delay all on purpose that they <laughs> needed us to experience the year for real?
1: I I strangely comes across that way. Uh I love in the third uh you know, time jump where the hair is long, um Martin Green's got the heavier eyeshadow. And she she checks the uh, the communicator like she's looking at her phone like a teenager, almost, you know, apathetically. It's like the stages of uh, grief, really, in in those, uh, you know, scenes. And then where uh, Frakes has her beam in with the focus on her eyes is just a really great shot. The hugs, everything like that. You know, Tilly getting to her first Saru embracing her gently. Um, I think it's really interesting that after Stamets, then it's Detmer. And we get a little Detmer stuff in this episode. We're gonna we're gonna chew over what little there is. But Giorgio with, you know, her hands folded and and looking uh, and and then turning away, you know, we all know she doesn't do hugs.
0: It is interesting to ponder for a moment. What would Jonathan Frakes' directing career have been if everything was 10 years later? Uh, I certainly expect it was handy for him to be the director of Star Trek movies uh, for the time that he was. And then obviously with Nemesis, they make a change and the change wasn't good and blah, blah, blah. And there was yet to be the rise of TV as equal to movies and there clearly was kind of no home for him and you know i don't know that he was i know for all the star trek directors they hung around the star trek productions until those kind of went away and it's just i I don't know the guy is so talented and i think that again 10 years different it would have been oh my goodness jonathan they just got jonathan frakes for a game of thrones season finale oh my goodness now he's doing you know two episodes of the queen or the crown you know like it would have been that kind of Top level stuff instead. Uh, Pete, I guess what I'm trying to say is we're lucky to have him still with Star Trek. Star Trek wants him, he wants Star Trek. I know he's doing other stuff, Orville included, but but Pete, back to the story here. We have Burnham uh catching up with Saru. Um, he's glad that she's back and he's surprised that Burnham has been a courier. Um, they also ponder the name of Cleveland Book Booker because Pete, we've been hearing that name for so long. I feel like I have spent a year with him. Uh, he's surprisingly not from Earth, despite the name. <gasps> Pete, they're dangling little mysteries just in, in passing. Like, <laughs> I know it's weird, right?
1: Right. Um, the issue, too, of this time that's elapsed, even though Matt. So for Burnham, it's been a year and understandably. And for us, it's also been more than a year, but the thing that i had a little bit of a hard time getting behind is for discovery it's been through the wormhole and literally hours at the colony that's it
0: yes so are you are you are you picking up on mutual sides saying it's been a long time is that is that what you're commenting uh, on uh,
1: yeah a little bit
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and
1: granted, you know, Saru turns it to this idea of, you know, that the enormity of what they've gone through, that they left everything behind, that there's been loss, both figurative and literal. And then, you know, that's picked up with the Tilly scene with the badges, which to me, first I was like, all right, how many did they really lose? Oh, no, wait, it was the, I mean, what are we even calling. The battle that took place at the end of season two. The battle I think it's the Battle of Pavo. Control, the Battle of Pavo. Not, not Pavo. Um, they were at Poe's planet. They were at um, Zahia.
0: Pete, as to the number of people that they've lost, uh, I, I read directly from the Memory Alpha. Um, Discovery had 136 people as established in Choose Your Pain uh 88 remained uh to go through the wormhole we had at least one die uh in in last week's episode which means pete the difference is approximately 47 people uh went aboard the enterprise so uh yes there's the 47 moment but the answer is that they had there's 88 remaining so i don't know if some of those badges are friends we've said goodbye to or people who died in the Battle of Zahia uh, or they wanted to go for the Battlestar Galactica redo of the um, Uh, World Trade Center Memorial Board thing. But uh, perhaps we shouldn't dig too deep, but there are some numbers from the show.
1: Yes. And uh, also that Burnham uh, sent a transmission to Terralisium. Took months to get a response. They had never heard of her mother. So there's still that mystery out there. Oh, and Matt, hey, I just want to tell you, I promised my friend something that you have. It's cool that I do that, right?
0: Uh, well, well, luckily for Seru, he says he will make it cool, uh, especially since Seru has no idea how valuable all that dilithium is. Pete, speaking of dilithium, Okay, we get some of this narration that carries into Burnham updating the bridge crew. Pete, then I think Paul Stamets has been watching some of those YouTube vids because he's all not my Star Trek at the idea of dilithium exploding. Uh, and he has to be reminded by O that his mushroom science is silly too. Uh, <laughs> she essentially saying, you can't nail yourself to one fake science fiction cross. Uh, And then, you know, claim that the others can't exist. Pete, it's all pretend. So dilithium can blow up as equally as you can ride that mushroom high from place to place. (laughs)
1: Um, Especially with intentional word choices like it appears the devastation flashed in an instant through all known space. There's clearly a clarification coming. This is how stories are told. Okay. And our writers for this week, Bo Young Kim and Erica Liphold, who, in my opinion, Matt, have written this maybe the most Star Trek Star Trek that ever Star Trek.
0: Yeah, I mean this is a wonderfully written episode, and I understand that I understand that uh, in the in the scope of discovery. There are some episodes that are, you know, major table setters, you know, setting up the season or concluding a season. Um, And there are some, I think even back to Next Generation, there are some that kind of push the envelope, you know, Riker in the insane asylum. What is real? You know, he was kind of inceptioning before inception. Um, As just, I mean, this isn't exactly a self-contained episode, but this has a beginning, a middle, and an end in a way that, let's say, much of season one does not have. Um, and much of the second half of season two does not have what really is just, and you know, no disrespect intended, but just, you know, the episode where, um, Spock and Pike and the discovery crew investigate control further, you know, that could be any of six episodes with this, this is a very kind of, it's a tightly constructed episode, but it just goes down so, so easy.
1: So Detmer asks Burnham, how many died? to which she answers millions and that really hits detmer sheds a tear um burnham says she wishes she could tell them how much of the federation remains uh she can't but there is part of a transmission from an obsolete starfleet channel q bryce who plays it from admiral senatal announcing he will wait for anyone who will join them on earth the federation lives on but they need and of course there's static till he asks if he's at starfleet headquarters but burnham isn't sure the message was sent 12 years ago matt we can do the power of math to know that that was the year 3177 uh and earth has always been too far away for Burnham to reach until you have arrived discovery with the spore drive.
0: Thank goodness, Pete, you have been saying it from the mountaintop that we're going to get spore drive usage, uh, fast and furious. Um, and indeed they're going to spore jump in, uh, but not too close. They're thinking the sub light, uh, in from there, uh, as for that captaincy discussion, uh, Burnham wonders if she was ever destined for the top spot. Uh, again, perhaps a perhaps a moment of authorial uh, self-reflection there, just in terms of we all assume she's going to be captain like super soon, and then every adventure, every major story arc has been, um, indeed, Pete, to maybe to get us to accept the fact that she's just not captain material in in the Starfleet of the 23rd century or in the Starfleet that exists now. She turns the chair to Saru and says that he is a captain in the truest sense of the word. He hopes to spread the spirit of discovery in this future, to make things bright, to do it all together. And boom, there is your, there is your opening act.
1: I, Captain. And, you know, I could think of no writers I would have preferred to have handled the episode where they name the captain... And how elegantly it was done, then again, the aforementioned Bo Young Kim and Erica Lipholt.
0: On the episode, of course, as discussed, directed by uh, by Jonathan Frakes, one senses from him on social media some real uh, professional affection for Bo Young Kim and Erica Lipholt. That's um, not to say that other directors haven't thanked the writers and whatnot, but I don't know, there, there's just this intangible sense. Uh, at least that i get pete after the credits here's where tilly and burnham have a moment at the uh, memorial wall for those that have been lost tilly reflects on everything uh, that she knew uh, being gone now i i maybe wonder pete i'm going to put out a theory here maybe this scene is included to address some of what you were saying before if we're going to have this flavor of Oh man! Everybody other than Burn—you know, burnhams had her own journey, her own loss, her own one-year journey. By the way, Pete. Side note: How about Burnham and Booker colon? You know, the the novel adventure. But then whatever the the colon subtitle is, that's the just maybe track. the first couple months. You could turn it into three. It could be a short track. It could be it could be expanding the novel, the comic book, whatever it might be, just to fill in that year. It feels very much like a placeholder like, oh man, Spock saw, I'm not, pardon me, not Spock saw. Um, I'm thinking of what they connected into the Enterprise War novel. It was when Spock saw the Red Angel, but they kind of didn't quite know what it was in the novel. Um, But similarly like, oh man, the Enterprise has been over there doing stuff. Somebody could write a novel about this. It'll be great. Um, I wonder if that's where we're destined for this too. But anyhow, back to this scene, Pete. I wonder if maybe it is a way to say, Here's our one scene to explain why everybody is kind of down on the jump. Yes, for them, it was two days ago and you were eating a ham sandwich saying, going to Zahia for what? And then here you are two days later and everything is different and everyone that you know is gone. It must be profoundly... Um, it must make one feel profoundly small to, in an instant, lose everything. In Everything in the entire universe that you ever knew being gone Yes, there's some consistency with things like trees and all that. But just every little, you know, oh, that that noodle shop by the dorms in at Starfleet Academy, you know, all of those kind of intangibles that create the fabric of our lives. It's all gone. Maybe that's the purpose of this scene to just say everybody's in the funk because everything is gone.
1: I mean, whether it had been 250 years or the 931, they now find themselves distant uh, it still was going to be everybody they loved. So the mention of Tilly's mom, her cousins, um, that things like the Gateway Arch, the pyramids, maybe even hummingbird cake, which is actually a, a thing I had never heard of, but it's a real thing. It's a Jamaican recipe, um, might might be gone. I mean, yes, cake is eternal. Matt, I will add pie is perpetual. Uh, but you know, uh, Tilly says she knew she'd see Burnham again. The the really nice interaction between the two of them, the picture she had of her holding a dandelion and blowing the seeds, as if that isn't a metaphor for what we're doing right now. Um, and loving her hair, uh, two actresses with really great hair there. Um, but Tilly notes that Burnham is lighter, and I think. This is the big change. And, you know, you talked about the captaincy before and maybe she was never meant to be one. Um, How about this, Matt? And I'll I'll share a theory now. Is she meant to be Starfleet?
0: Uh, I think that in the background that is being floated as part of the discussion i suspect maybe sonico barton green stays with star trek discovery for the foreseeable future but in what capacity that certainly is a question um on the quick tangent of hummingbird cake pete banana pineapple spice cake that includes uh those ingredients along with cinnamon pecans uh, and served with a uh, cream cheese frosting. This sounds delightful. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I know what I'm going to be investigating more uh, after we're done podcasting Mandalorian tomorrow. Um, but as to uh, as to Burnham, you know, Pete, my experience in Soneka Martin-Green's uh, acting is, uh, I think, exclusively limited to The Walking Dead and this. So I've only... And, and so add that you know with the exception of uh the pilot episode of discovery before she's brandishing the phaser which is you know most of that episode but um my point being most of the time i've seen her in walking dead and this it is is with the weight of a crumbling world on her shoulders even when she was more of an encore uh player on walking dead and not necessarily the focus everybody was living under these terrible conditions and things were constantly awful and whatnot so I think my point is this, Pete, I've seen the real Sonico Martin-Green at conventions where she's delightful and lovely, but I haven't seen Burnham uh, or uh, Sasha, her character on Walking Dead, not have these, these major problems. And to see her in this episode kind of truly freed from those things, it's a subtle but a profound difference in her performance, and it leaves me appreciating Sonico Martin-Green as an actress even more.
1: Right, and the irony is that we're now living the Walking Dead experience.
0: By and large, or at least, at least to some capacity, Pete, hopefully it's about to get better uh, in in the next couple days, weeks, months. But I digress, Pete. Let's go back to the book here, back to Booker. He beams onto the ship, uh, having been beamed in by Georgiou. Uh Philippa is territorial, trying to draw out what book is to Burnham? Are they boyfriend, girlfriend? Uh, he's not going to go down that road. In fact, I love that, A, he he starts to go down it. Then he recognizes that this is a rhetorical trap and just stops it uh, and says that's what he's not here for. Uh, instead, he meets uh, Burnham at what I'll assume is the Dilithium Growth Chamber. Um, I know that we do have Dilithium Regeneration. That's fairly new technology, courtesy of Queen Poe from Zahia. Uh, and Pete, that's when he's given a hearty crystal and uh, Burnham tells him that this no longer exactly feels like home.
1: Yeah. And this is what I was alluding to before. There's several beats throughout this episode that, you know, maybe she zags and occasionally she does, you know, the the gambit later on in uh, Bookship, which Matt, you've referred to as the uh centennial bird i now have another alternate name for the ship oh what's that i'm calling it the eon eagle
0: oh i think that's i think that might be better uh that's quite good as well
1: but uh yeah this this discussion um you know well, you could you could come with me. We could go, you know, keep doing our thing. But Burnham wants to bring Book with her. Uh, they need the ship to mask their dilithium stash. It could do that. Um, and he could get this clean slate. Hey, heck, there could be more transworms out earthy way. Um, and, uh, you know, he's never been there. She's never been to this earth.
0: And again, it, it, it's it's a little stunning, a little refreshing to have such a wide open Star Trek world that that you know that that a place like Earth is so unknown to them. Um there also is that mention that he's so far from where he has been. Uh, later on, Burnham will refer to it as a brand new. Uh, quadrant so that's kind of vaguely in line with what we had discussed two weeks ago in terms of you know there's andorians and orions and some in cardassians and some of those familiar species but it doesn't feel like doesn't feel like that that you know human vulcan kind of Klingon uh, even romulan kind of neck of the woods uh, i know that subsequently some of those are in more in the beta quadrant than the alpha quadrant but just that pete in my mind we've they were at the far corner of the beta quadrant you know the one that's not by the alpha quadrant it's not right on that line and now here we are i guess in the alpha quadrant or, or close to it that kind of thing bottom line though there is this notion for a a clean slate who's getting the clean slate who is the we that burnham references is it we discovery is it we book and burnham burnham and booker uh the novel coming what next summer i don't know pete i CPS want to know what the All old we was
1: is is it them that gets a clean slate with paramount i'm, t-
0: Listen, I, I'm telling you they are not setting up a a uh a, a short track they're not setting up a spinoff they're setting up a secondary property i'm sure of it it just it just feels like hey since you put a year in there let's send it to kirsten byer who can now talk to the novel team and sit and go don't forget this don't forget that and they have to He's got a ship that's this, and you know, uh, occasionally he's looking for nice things, but sometimes he has to make bad boy decisions. And it's kind of like, don't say Han Solo, but it's like Han Solo. All right, go write the book. We'll talk in a month. I'm <laughs> telling you, that's what's going on.
1: I'm sure it is. Um, Burnham has the discussion with Saru in the ready room, still with the smash table, Matt. Again, metaphor. Um, and the book uh, ship, the Eon Eagle, takes position behind Disco uh, and that it can cloak their dilithium. Uh, But Saru is already in his captain role here. He cannot place the safety of Discovery in the hands of a stranger. Uh, He's having a difficult time trusting Burnham's judgment, even though he's grateful for the support of his captaincy and he was surprised that she gave it. And he intends to offer her the first officer position, but she's done all this adapting in this year to learn more about what the world was like where they jumped into. Uh, so he ultimately renders the decision that Book's ship can stay in the shuttle bay as long as it has the dilithium aboard that it's cloaking. It'll remain under guard and he will not be permitted to board it until they reach Earth, and the dilithium has been safely removed. The ship, and Matt, this is just a practicality here for a second, so the ship that rescued Discovery was indeed Books, okay? As that was happening and they were trying to flee the ice, the ship that was described was big, okay? the ship that has now parked itself in their shuttle bay is not bigger than discovery. So I just kind of question: did that change perhaps script to script?
0: I believe there is a little bit of shape shifting. and I, I didn't intend to put the pause in there. I was more just thinking out loud, but I, I, I will confirm. I don't mean that this is a ship of Odo or a ship, uh what was that next generation episode where there's the all the the all organic ship that the guy who can hear tele telepathy ends up living on and by himself blah 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 so i don't mean i don't mean anyhow i don't mean it's a shape-shifting shift shape-shifting ship in that sort of sense but we've seen some stuff in the past where you know like the storage bay can go down and it can kind of zip and zoop in terms of its size that said pete i would agree with you total mass we're not going to do transformers mass shifting here total mass of this ship in any configuration is nowhere near as discovery i, I think you've picked up on a on a little oopsie daisy that maybe. I mean, on the one hand i'm like i'm kind of thinking well how could you not go back and reshoot that it's not even like a covid thing they shot this episode after the last episode, but maybe it's just one of those things that wasn't caught and made its way all the way through. And you get to the final edit and you show it to somebody for the first time, uh, you know, as a new episode and you go, Oh, yikes. That's a, that's a loose thread. Uh, Oh, well,
1: cause Hey, can a smaller ship lift up a bigger ship?
0: Um, I would, I would certainly expect that the centennial bird has, access to technology that discovery couldn't dream of i mean we see that to a certain degree in a little bit when the uh when the edf beams in through raised shields um so to me to me that's less of an issue you know the fact that the the fact that book ship has a better tractor beam than discovery could possibly imagine it's things like that why you jumped almost a thousand years in the future but pete let's head back to the bridge book comes to the bridge Uh, as the ship is powering down the warp drive preparing to jump via spore drive we have black alert called they end up arriving outside of saturn then next shot they're pulling up on earth pete that is some fast sub light engines there Uh, it's probably just meant to be a without doing a, a dissolve to show a passage of time i get it this is not a point to go and then it took us eight hours, you know, uh, or whatever. But uh, they're playing a little loosey-goosey with sublight and, uh, you know, thing and the the actual size of our uh, of our solar system. But it's story convenience, Pete. It's not the time to now do a twelve minute break while they go. Yep, getting closer. Still chugging along, getting <laughs> closer. But Pete, tell tell us about the beauty that they pull up on.
1: A great shot from behind Discovery as they're pulling up to Earth here, okay? But no sooner uh, magnifying these arrays that they see. Uh, Reese notes that they are advanced force field generators. They activate. Olushikun says that they're two vessels approaching from Earth. Burnham, that they're not Starfleet uh, registries and Saru orders shields and red alerts, uh, but they hail these ships, um, and uh, Captain Ndoye of the United Earth Defense Force notes how quaint it is. They communicate via screens.
0: Which, when I went back and rewatched the episode and they were using screens on Bookship, I was like, hey, that's not consistent. But I think Bookship is kind of a a holographic projection um it comes off as a screen but i think it's meant to be holographic uh which actually pete is in line with the next generation era technology uh but i digress yes captain andoyer saying you are not welcome here pete the shields raised the space wall having been built as we hit an act break we come out of it seru playing a little ignorant this is a starfleet ship we are the descendants of the original ship's crew. Hey, Earth, what's up? Wanna be friends? Uh, and Captain Indoye adamant that Disco might be up to no good, so they should uh, prepare for inspection. Uh, Saru says they're going to get ready, but boom, Pete, they beam on in through the shields, as I mentioned, phasers drawn, or are they even phasers? Are they are they some <laughs> sort of more advanced? You know, are they are they? I don't know. Razors or vasors. I don't know. It's, it's the future.
1: <laughs> a young woman beams into engineering with an older man. Stamets is us. Who are you? Uh, Burnham. He, he says is HE double hockey into- sticks.
0: He, he says who the HE double hockey sticks are you, but I appreciate that you're keeping it clean. Uh,
1: Burnham slips into a uniform along with book so that they can uh, not be suspected and arrested. Earth is just as tolerant as everywhere else. A book says uh, in this future, perish the thought of an intolerant future, Matt. Um, Burnham puts her badge on. He gets one. He is Lieutenant Booker now. He talks about that time in the forthcoming Uh, novel, Matt, when they were in the bog in Akasu and uh, he had to get the leeches off her. Uh, This uniform is worse, Mm -hmm. and Saru announces that the inspection is taking place and that the the crew should cooperate Um And Burnham Remind's book, it's just a uniform, you know, until he becomes a member of Starfleet and the crew later on this season. And we uh, remind the viewers that on board the Eon Eagle is the fat cat queen grudge.
0: Indeed. I think a little bit of uh, a little bit of story, stick a pin in it. Uh, ness done there uh but pete also playing dress up is George O, who's going to be an admiral for the day uh philippa says that she might be out of place but perhaps burnham feels out of place too um i'm realizing pete there's a bunch of small story advancements kind of b plots c plots advanced in the set not even advanced grudge as a queen burnham out of place on the ship detmer and her situation we all get little kind of check-ins with them even though the episode does not uh do much with it uh burnham ultimately goes to the ready room where doye explains uh essentially pete explains her earth first plan uh and that baddie when is out there raiding them uh all discovery wants to do is to visit their wink wink ancestral home and to check in with starfleet command And Doge explains that Starfleet left hundreds of years ago. They don't need the Federation anymore. No, no,
1: no, 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 no. not hundreds of years ago. It's 100. Pete, when did Starfleet leave? 100 years ago.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's around the time of the burn, Pete. That makes more sense. Uh, This I'm sure about, though, Pete. I'm totally sure this got said. I'm totally sure it's, like, set in stone. Admiral Tal died a few years ago. That's it. He's dead. Didn't know where he was headed, not the Trill Homeworld. Just complete... (laughs) It's the end of Admiral Tal. Sorry, this is a MacGuffin. You're not doing anything further with it.
1: He died on an outbound ship two years ago. His destination, totally not to drill, was not listed. In engineering, a man takes out his balls to scan.
0: Uh, Pete, indeed he does. Uh, He's the older inspector. He seems quite authoritative. Uh, even though Pete, in the credits, I don't believe he has a, a name. He's just kind of inspector or older inspector. Meanwhile, the currently unnamed but about to be named Adira is uh, fiddling with things, all while quickly putting together uh, mentally the pieces of the spore cube and its connection to the bridge. Uh, though Adira does not recognize it as a spore cube, it's just kind of all these all these are questions uh, in her mind. On the bridge, uh, when... It's it's said that that Wen's ship has arrived. And Doye doesn't like the look of things. Earth visit denied. Time to leave. But boom, boom, her transporter isn't working. She blames Seru and the discovery. All of this is going to lead to Starfleet starting a war.
1: This idea here, back up to uh, what Adira notices, um, that the spore cube is connected to the bridge. Uh, Stamets tries to run interference. He's just an astromycologist. You know, he he studies these things. Um, Adira is 16 years old, yet she knows that there is an interface of some kind. But the man tells her that she's inspecting with that she's supposed to inspect, not engage. Okay, what does this do for us with uh, Adira's character? She is different than the others, what we return to later. That red alert sounded, and the five unidentified ships with advanced phasers coming in, okay? Um, Saru is told not to respond, but Matt, or Starfleet, dialogue is an effective strategy.
0: That it is. We get an act break, which, by the way, Pete, on my commercial-free... Uh, cbs all access subscription this was one of the two points where it then sent me two commercials uh, which what? i was not a happy camper about pete in these waning weeks multiple weeks you know a couple months whatever it is of cbs all access before it's revamped turned into paramount plus etc can't the darn thing just work Just, just just work properly like come on you had one job in your in my commercial-free subscription. It was to not give me commercials. Uh, but, Pete, we get an act break. I could tell you, just as a side note, uh, there's a new uh, Star Trek mobile game that Sonika Martin-Green uh, does the voiceover for in the commercial. I could tell you that there are some fine, fine cars from, I think, Audi. Uh, there's also a food commercial there, which is ironic because we come back to the episode with Booker in the mess hall making his way through a number of beers then he's told it's Synthahol. Wah, wah. No wonder he's not feeling the buzz. Um, And he and Burnham are going to run an old plan, except it might go differently this time because he's not going to be drunk. Pete, this the reminder that when you're wearing the uniform, no drinky drink on duty.
1: It's slightly concerning that we cut at a moment of highest tension to book Drinking Syntho ale, um, you know, on, on rewatch, I think in the, in the moment it works because Burnham's coming to get him and she needs help. And of course wants to do the, you know, secret plan that Saru would never authorize. Uh, but yeah, it, it, on, on rewatch is a little bit suspicious. They want to work what they did on Donatu 7. Uh, Tilly and Stamets in engineering notice uh, some stuff here that might be the sabotage. And, uh, oh, there were a couple people that came to engineering. Who could it have been?
0: Now, Pete. I have not seen any YouTube videos on this topic, but can I assume that there will be YouTube videos claiming that since this episode makes reference to sabotage, you know, we can go from uh, Adira's physical sabotage of the ship to sabotage by the Beast Boys, a uh, Beastie Boys <laughs> as used in Star Trek 09 and Star Trek Beyond, <laughs> which by the way will be on CBS broadcast this weekend. Therefore, that is in- an implicit admission that jj abrams actually is alex kurtzman uh, can you confirm or deny any of that
1: <laughs> he's not and the beastie boys being one of my favorite groups of all time i'm i'm just fine with it uh back to the crisis on the bridge uh owo reports that booker's ship has left today and burnham is on it and all of our lithium, uh the future looks darker and darker, does it not?
0: Add to that, Pete, that they're having difficulty communicating with the Raiders, which was weird because I typed those very same things in the notes for Mandalorian 201, different kind of <laughs> Raiders. That's one of the two weird Star Trek, Star Wars crossovers to happen this week. Uh, the other I'll just quickly mention in one sentence um weirdo extremo extremists quote unquote fans of both Star Trek and Star Wars are attempting to get the stories that they don't like officially decanonized, which is a really weird tact and it sounds like it's maybe being spawned by bots or something like that. Like, like that will be the solution. I don't like this thing, therefore decanonize it because I need George Lucas and Gene Roddenberry to 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 be some sort of daddy origin story for me versus these are a bunch of shows where people uh, you know, pe- people fly pretend ships and we have fun and we learn some lessons along the way. Uh, Pete, but I digress. Can you get me back on track here? Are we on the century bird? Are we still aboard on the Eon
1: eagle here? Grudge in tow. They want to try Orion Tangle first. T- tangle, Tango. There's an easiness, mat between Burnham and Book, and as they contact when here with the creepy alien uh, helmet later revealed, uh, you know, the concept of giving him the dilithium. Oh, because we're peace-loving people. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to do the right thing. Obviously suspicious, but just enough of a distraction and weird enough to work.
0: I also like that in this mix, uh, Giorgio tells saru not to hail Burnham since this is obviously a secret fast plan and saru would be spoiling it by reaching out to Burnham showing some sort of cooperation between the two uh, where whereas obviously they need the they need the secret plan here so again an instance where Giorgio's toolbox is it is complementing the universe that they're in not in conflict uh, the way it kind of sort of was, uh, for her in season two yes she was section 31 yes she was you know in, in a bunch where they were doing bad things but here they need her skills on, on the core uh, portion of the uh, of the ship here so we've touched in with the bridge we've touched in with uh, book uh, back on discovery uh, the uh, edf is preparing to fire on Book's ship well, i guess the edf isn't there but that's where it's reported seru will not fire back despite Giorgio wanting to uh, detmer is ordered to put the ship in the edf's fire path uh, she's resistant hesitant perhaps uh, scattered and kind of implicitly needs owo to remind her of her duty you know shields are up follow the orders that's not direct dialogue but i think that's that's the look on awo face. face uh, and pete the ship takes those shots and it is hit hard
1: yes and then back to burnham and book here ready to transfer the dilithium to when as this gambit is playing out
0: uh indeed and this whole notion of uh he needs to lower his shields than when they're off the communicator uh burnham and book say they need to act fast um the edf isn't going to back down discovery still is preparing to take another hit um with that the rear uh, the, the rear bridge doors open Burnham and Booker have win, and it's time for that dialogue uh, we get an act break then Pete they're talking in the ready room see what they did they said let's talk then after the act break where I was then served up another 120 seconds worth of ads uh, they are then talking didn't that work out well well although Pete are they talking at first or are they yelling about how each side is bad <laughs>
1: there is that isn't it uh given that this episode was written in 2019 and now we're in the future of 2020 and everybody gets along
0: well think about it pete they're supposed to talk one person at a time and instead they are interrupting they are off target they're trying to prove their points to moderator saru as opposed to <laughs> as, as opposed to just resolve these issues um Add to that, Pete, when Wen's helmet is taken off, and I love on second view, I love. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that there's a reaction shot for Saru when the helmet comes off, but I think that um, Burnham. Burnham has already figured out that he's human. Uh, Giorgio clearly is unconcerned as to whether you know is he a robot guy? Does he need the helmet for his uh, as a breathing apparatus, or you know because uh, his. Uh, You know, a former teacher chopped him down on a fire planet. She just knows, yank it off, <laughs> diplomacy is so slow. And Pete, big reveal, he's Das Vied from Hell on Wheels. I mean, he's human. Um, and don't forget, Pete, that is now the third Hell on Wheels actor to appear in uh, in, in a Star Trek show.
1: And he's kind of gaunt and haggard, so clearly things... Weren't working out and turned to the piracy, but Matt, but Matt, take us to the cave of Trill. I mean the Jeffrey Tube.
0: Uh, We have Adira poking around. Pete, she does have her holographic display up, and it is in, uh, it it is backwards to our eyes because we're seeing it uh, on the other side. I actually went to the trouble to do a screenshot. And then to turn it around in my phone, because I thought I saw the word home, and I do see the word home. And then I was like, oh my goodness, this is because she's searching for home. Then later I realized it might just be the home button, like on your phone. Like, (laughs) since she is on her computer, that it's not that she's necessarily, you know, it's not ET phone home. It's just, hey, when I'm done in this folder, press home to go back to main menu um regardless though stamets has found her i see pete that my spell checker has turned stamets into attempts so what's i guess stamets is attempting to find her and has found her um it is explained to her that the tech is indeed all or no i'm pardon me she says that all this tech is connected explain or else stamets doubts the or else since she's the one that sabotaged the edf's escape uh, but Stamets indeed does share all sorts of things about the spore drive, uh, how it works, how it allows them to travel, how he's the interface, uh, that there's no one like him. She knows what that's like. Uh, she's got more questions. Uh, however, he says that she needs to share more about herself. Uh, Adira then explains that she became an inspector to try and find a Starfleet vessel one day. She wants to come with them. Oh, and Senatau, she knows him holding off the really powerful reveal for, uh, for frankly, later in the episode when it'll mean more.
1: This is the evolved Stamets. There's no way season one Stamets... I mean, we saw how he dealt with Burnham as a newcomer, and here with Adira, there's very clearly right away a kinship, and he also knows because of this growth that you catch more flies with honey Uh, so you know full credit here to Anthony Rapp and and how he sells a different version of Stamets taking those lessons of the past couple seasons in with confronting this stranger and someone more alike him than she realizes
0: it it is interesting to reflect that the actors are playing um, substantially different characters. The following characters are being played differently by their actors Burnham, uh, compared to, let's say, the first half even of season one. Burnham, Saru, uh, Stamets. Uh, that's before you even get into some of the kind of hair splitting stuff. You know, Colbert not in this episode, but Colbert 2.0, I-, I don't know that he's. Any longer substantially different, fine. He's a copy and and all that. But I think that he's kind of back to his normal self. Although Pete just continuing to be incredibly cut. um But it, it's interesting. I'm, here's what I'm trying to say, Pete. There's this modern television need to be moving things forward. And do you remember the good old days uh, in, in Game of Thrones before things went terrible? Which means like the first 15 or 20 minutes of the first episode. And we kind of remember that as the way it was, even though it was, it was kind of barely there. Um, Rare is it for characters to be substantially different. You know, yes, they're a little bit more cynical or they're more uh, open-minded or whatever, but these are different versions of the characters by virtue of the, the sci-fi journeys that they've been on.
1: Yeah. And when we go to the ready room here and we see, what Burnham put together in scanning when ship that it was overcrowded and to learn that uh, they were from Titan, which was a research colony that split off from earth a century ago. And though self-sufficient then that uh, the takeaway that you can't hide behind your tech walls forever. And that, we need each other,
0: and add to that the fact that the disaster on Titan. Uh, what, it wasn't wholly ecological; it was not, you know, the hurricane, or it was not the. I mean, it was, it was, it was human made, and then spilled over to to an ecological thing. Uh, it's crippled the set, settlement. Uh, Earth destroyed the first ship that Titan sent out. So now, you know, all of all these doors have been closed. Uh, Burnham and Saru ultimately suggesting a trade of aid and research. Uh, The dialogue has started, and the possibility to open that door has now now begun. Um, And it's just, I mean, the music gets it, the acting gets it, the camera placement gets it. This is the most wide-eyed, pure Star Trek moment of the episode. Uh, And perhaps in the last several episodes, and that's not a slam against the other episodes, they were serving different masters in terms of... Uh, setting up this new, you know, this new time in the universe and the character fates and whatnot. This is that that hope, Pete. I mean, can you imagine two other people sitting down the way uh, when and Ndoye do? because that flashed into my head, and it was like this this is back to the aspirational thing of if we can acknowledge the humanity of each other, then we really can start to have the dialogue. And for as long as we, for as long as we vilify the other side and the other side does the same, we're not going to get there, even with a nice speech from Burnham and Saru.
1: Nothing gets done. So in the aftermath here, Andoye, uh asks if Adira can stay behind, which uh, Saru allows, and how she's going to uh, become... Part of this crew, I think the the way has very easily been paved.
0: First, though, we have uh, Ndoye uh, welcoming the Disco crew to visit uh, the Earth's surface, Saru hoping that they will return someday. By the way, Pete, another little instance of stick a pin in that uh, for later. Um, <laughs> I'm reminded, too, even you know, in The Mandalorian, when somebody says, I hope I will see you again someday. Oh, okay, see you later in the season. That's my expectation here. We get Earth two uh Earth part two, you know, uh, second half of the season, something like that. um we then get Pete this really a moment that I think is better outside of the story, a moment that is better because of all that it 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 it, it can represent and it will represent when Adira finally talks to Saru so you've been asking about Admiral Tal um do I know of him she says "Short, sort of she is Admiral Tal I know in a little bit we're going to get the Trill thing and the Trill mystery and we're going to talk Trill theories and can they know Star Trek would let Trill interact with humans oh except for there was a Riker thing all of that (laughs) the very
1: first one (laughs) right (laughs) the The very very first first one Trill episode where Trill don't have uh tattoos don't have the the spots. Uh, instead, have these weird ridges. And uh, the host dies and gets implanted in Riker, a human, but uh, uh, not Jean's trek. Would of course do that, even though uh, it was not Jean's trek that did that in that season four Next Generation episode. But but continue, Matt.
0: Indeed, in if one brings that sort of baggage to the to this episode into the trill stuff then you're missing you're missing the simple affirmational beauty of this moment again kind of outside the story within the story okay she's human and she wants out of this crazy world and believes in the hope of starfleet you add to it you know the representation that blue del barrio uh represents you add to it a a new look at the trill you know what we're all anticipating a new look at the trill for representing trans individuals and non-binary individuals and all of that and on the second view this moment just really this almost more than the preceding scene of hey you know uh hey red and blue states you know uh in doye and uh and when you know you, you can talk out your differences this more so is the moment to say you know what we can get past our conventions we can get past our preconceived notions y- yes we have yet to get into adira as a metaphor uh for people in the real world we we have yet to kind of do that but the moment just shines with the promise of
1: it it does and the specter of the past though what with the trill and the passing on of their memories, and with the uh, the hard duffel case here and uh, Prime Giorgio's telescope being unpacked in now Captain Seru's ready room,
0: I love that. There's not like, hey, that's the original philippa's thing and then hey she gave it to me because she died and she g- i give it to you like there's none of that that's just kind of the subtext um particularly as burnham says that she wants to work with saru though are thing though there are things in the last year that have changed her we see that change uh cbs would love us to buy the forthcoming novel whatever that is you know but if he can accept that change She accepts being the number one. Pete, this, a scene that started with her apologizing for doing her own plan that theoretically put everybody at risk. And so she's going in there, essentially. She was once again unreliable, not following the chain of command. She goes in there, you know, apologizing. At the end of it, she's accepting the job offer that was floated before. No finger wag on his part. Pete, talk about upgrading that's one heck of a job there of upgrading by Burnham, who might know that it's late in the episode and time to get a move on, and she just needs to be number one for next week, and, and we take things from there. But my goodness, Pete, talk about turning lemons into lemonade.
1: That changes her, part one.
0: Indeed. Uh, in the Shuttle Bay book, Pete, he's back in his leather coat. He's back in his uh, his, his like knit cable uh, black uh, shirt. Uh, his pants pete i suspect they're probably a leather as well he's that uh rascally or good looking or or whatever um and this is where we get the line he's about to leave in a new quadrant with a fresh start so again that notion i'm just thinking we're in the alpha quadrant now they were in the beta quadrant uh he's glad that she has family there until next time so pete lots of we're gonna have book come back we're gonna visit earth again before the season is over uh, we're gonna have Cobb Vanth. Oh wait, no, that's the other space show where somebody said, "I'll see you next time." So all sorts of promise for the future.
1: Yes, and he's got to come back and kiss her at some point, like we've already seen and was expecting would would happen here, and we're left with that longing.
0: Back on the bridge we go, Seru, looking uh, at the view screen uh, down at Starfleet Academy, or what was Starfleet Academy. Um, he notes that many of the crew are gone down on the planet. Um, That explains their absence. Pete, I would hate to be... I believe it was two women, uh, one at con and one at ops, but whoever the two uh, folks are uh, personing the con at that moment, I would hate to hear Captain Saru say, oh, yes, I let all of them go down to the planet. Meanwhile, you're like, you know, know, Susie from Brazil. Like, when do I get my beam down? Here I am. You know, I'm not normally... Piling the ship in orbit and uh, the Detmer's down there hanging out. But Pete, that's what you get being an, an unnamed extra. Uh, Burnham says that she will stay there though. With that, Pete, take us to San Francisco. Take us to Tilly and the uh, Canadian regulars.
1: <laughs> and the gigantic Canadian tree uh, that I'm sure there's some CGI help with. But uh, this tree still there from when they all used to study under it at starfleet academy so 930 years later in the same spot how could you do it saru chimes in here oh but wait captain can we have five more minutes please please we've been really good regulars and canadian crew and of course he will allow it
0: we get this great pullback uh, across not just the tree, not just the, the, the park-like uh, quad there, but we get the former Starfleet Academy, we get San Francisco Bay, we get the obligatory Golden Gate Bridge shot. Uh, we still see those solar panels there and uh, hope for an imperfect future, but a great future nonetheless. Pete, we have an incoming threat analysis. What do you have on your sensors?
1: The United Earth Defense Force and isolationism.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, Pete, our Star Trek lesson here is served up uh, obvious and well needed at the same time. Uh, from the one perspective, it sounds so great to be a United Earth, but we know it's United Earth literally kept safe by a wall. they built the wall, they made Titan pay for it. Um, and, and look, sometimes Star Trek is well served by subtlety. you know, I don't know exactly I don't know how many younger people watched the episode with Riker and the the non-binary aliens and she's feeling female feelings and you say, oh my goodness, this is discussing homosexuality in the early 1990s. Pete, as I remember back to the episode when she's asking about how people reproduce uh, and have sexual interaction, I am realizing that probably it was a bit more obvious uh, than I remember it. And I was just trying to block it out as a kid watching that with my parents. But I digress. The Earth Defense Force, the United Earth, kind of some sort of states or kingdom or something which are all united in terms of kicking out the others and just taking care of ourselves. Uh, the metaphor an obvious one a needed one and thank goodness we have discovery to help to help guide us here.
1: And though endoyer and man who scans engineering and even Adira don't come off as villains, as threats. It's this larger idea that you isolate yourselves from others we're self-sustainable. We don't need a federation or Starfleet. They have left. They've been gone from Earth 100 years. I mean, it begs a question too. And we'll talk next segment like what has Starfleet Academy in San Francisco been for 100 years? You know, you mentioned the noodle shop like, you know, is this the learning annex now? <laughs> like what is what is going on there including like the cool circular thing that uh goes into the bay uh that we saw uh on picard but you know know that you reject others it never serves yourself
0: and i think you know midpoint of the episode we would add when to the list but then the episode very clearly saying he's you know, he is the thief stealing a loaf of bread to feed his family. uh, And the episode unambiguous with that in terms of his ship being, uh, you know, overcrowded and barely enough. And then on Titan, you know, they're there, they have so little. Um, So so Pete, I, I think he's worth mentioning, but I don't think Wen makes it very far into the episode as somebody deserving to be on the threat analysis list.
1: Clearly not, you know, showing up as would be plunderers, but not understanding the situation as the viewer that they are merely trying to get by what starts as creepy alien. Oh, is this, is this the new threat for the season? Is this the, um, you know, 32nd century Borg? No, it's some mining guys who are trying to get by and don't have enough to eat. And this, larger idea that Star Trek has always dealt with. That's why it's a really great episode to examine as far as the themes of these TV shows, the idea that we're better together than we are apart. And it is
0: interesting to reflect that kind of in the in the buffet of villains that you might have that that Bojan Kim and Erica Lippoldt had in writing this episode you say "Ooh, there's going to be you know space pirates and then there's going to be you know earth army and then there's also going to be you know Giorgio uh you know out there doing her own thing and what do you have you have the pirates that aren't pirates you have the earth army that is acting from an from an area of principles that we disagree with but it, they are not you know they're far from being villains black-hatted villains uh and and you have Giorgio giving very good advice uh contrary to the captain's instincts but advice that does factor into the decision making that goes on Pete speaking of of extreme advice okay over on our patreon page we sat down we watched the pilot for hellstrom and in the star trek spirit we are declaring starfleet general order 7 when it comes to hellstrom on hulu uh no vessel under any condition emergency or otherwise uh is recommended to watch the hellstrom pilot that is the takeaway we explain more on our patreon page something that we recorded for for our listeners there uh, it, it was a rough watch, but Pete, one that we were very happy to share with, uh, especially for those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek.
1: The people who have kept us going for all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we definitely felt like we owed it to them to check out what was, once was a Marvel TV property and had it stripped from its name uh, so get over to patreon.com slash geek where that and all sorts of other goodies await can't contribute just now get yourself over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating in seconds and leave us a review it takes a little bit longer to show up but all are appreciated.
0: Pete, let's start to scan for some theories here. Uh, Detmer, so concerned about those deaths from the burn. Is that a checkmark towards the, the theory that Detmer's troubles are PTSD and not control? What are your thoughts
1: there? I still feel like we're going to get some recap from her particular vantage point. Um something's not right. We get one scene where she's essentially herself and that's under the tree at Starfleet Academy. Um, But what if Matt, you know, that's the happy face uh, masking the the sadness or whatever is going on within, Um, you know, you, you mentioned the scene where she sheds a tear about the loss Later, when Wins Raiders show up and, uh, you know, breaking into action, she's not quite ready to do it, which is definitely different than the characterization we've seen with her for two seasons. And add to it as well, this is somebody that books been told about by Burnham. They were shipmates on the Shenzhou and now Discovery. So this is really one of Burnham's oldest crewmates and friends, and one that definitely was uh, there in the hug montage. So, yeah, I mean, we're we're seeing with Kayla Detmer uh, a bigger stage. Granted, step back from the previous episode, but I, I think we're, we're going to obviously come back to that.
0: It certainly feels like with the Detmer, uh, you know, kind of open file, if you will, we're going to talk about Grudge the Cat in a second. It feels like in those cases, you know, the return of Book as well being open-ended, it feels like there's more of a front-facing um, dialogue that the show is giving us. And by that, I mean, you know, I think of the first season, the Vogue secret. We kind of didn't know that it was a storyline. You know, we had our theories, don't get me wrong, including Pete, you who who blew my mind in the one Oh five episode saying, you know, uh, uh, that, that Ash Tyler was a Klingon, etc. cetera. No, where kind of like I'd that rather hi-
1: be captain. If I was an imposter from the Klingon prison ship, trying to get on your ship.
0: But like, you know, again, that being a hidden story point as it, as it evolved, same thing with Lorca from the mirror universe, you know, that. the, Evidence there, and then we kind of knew how to play by the rules of the show in terms of hiding secrets, but that too, you know, a reveal that was kept hidden. Here, we know something is up with Detner. We, 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 there's enough evidence, there's enough times that Grudge the Cat has been called, not a cat, a queen, where that's obviously headed towards something. Book is obviously going to return. It's just a different flavor for the show. I don't know that three episodes in, I don't know that we're sitting on you know, some kind of Sixth Sense grand reveal. Didn't you know all along that they were all on the ghost planet or something like that? But but Pete, what are your thoughts? We get Grudge the Cat, a queen, any more advancement there? Or is it just a reminder that we're working on that for the future?
1: It's a reminder and even done with subtlety of the humor. Oh, well, you know, if you're in that camp that it's not a big deal. It's just Burnham giving him a hard time
0: yeah and 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 like i said it's also you know it's a reminder watch this space for further uh for further issues here um i guess we can also add to that list as i mentioned before you know returning to earth at some point so lots of options uh pete what theories are you scanning for
1: all the dilithium dried up and then blew up and so they talk about Uh, Nobody knew why or how it happened. Stamets obviously has had this communicated to him now. He's incredulous about it. But in this instant, it all went inert, and then any ship with an active warp core detonated. Was it an accident or a natural disaster? And Doye floats the possibility that it was an attack, begs the question, was the dilithium tainted?
0: yeah and i guess i'm of two minds as to where we are headed with that just as you know just as gene roddenberry said warp speed because that makes stories happen and we'll figure out how it works later on and when we need it to not work we go crystal because that's cooler than saying diesel you know um i don't know is the mystery of the burn something worth investigating to fix or is the mystery of the burn just something that it comes from the before times and we've lost the interconnectedness and the ability to find out why and there is no fix to it uh and thus we now have this massive star trek uh universe lowercase u in terms of to get from the andorian uh um orion hangout times where there are some Cardassians to get all the way to Earth. It's like near impossible versus, you know, in Star Trek Online, it takes maybe five boring minutes to fl- be flying through the, the, the warp speed map, you know, and any time in any other Star Trek you need to be back at Earth, you just be like, oh, man, I'm I packed a cool cylindrical duffel bag of the future to go to Earth, and then I'll be there in a day or two or five, you know, whatever it is, it's an easy journey. I guess, Pete, I'm advocating for let's not find the solution to the burn. Let's not find out that it was those dastardly Klingons, Romulans, etc. Although I do remember last week's theory that this might bode really well for the Romulans. But just this notion of we reset the table. We don't need to unreset the table anytime soon. Which probably means I'm wrong. But hey.
1: Spore drives for everybody.
0: Well... Pete, do you remember that Next Generation episode? I want to say season five, maybe season six, might have even been season seven, where basically they said, Hey, everybody in Star Trek, and those of you at home in your cars, uh, we need to majorly slow down because it's doing bad for the space environment. Uh, And then when they, and they probably were like, That's not really going to impact this Deep Space Nine thing too much because they're just like hanging out on a space station, occasionally going out in little runabouts. so that's NBD, as the kids say. Uh, then they got to Voyager and they're like, hey, we're going to do Star Trek, you know, out there. Um, we'll just ignore the thing. Hey, if we have a cool engine shape to it, maybe none of them nerds will ever ask what happened to the, to the space uh, speed limit. Um, and that's kind of, that, that's in Star Trek past. Uh, Pete, I feel like we're kind of repeating that cycle a bit here.
1: The issue of Burnham and her changes, these differences that she has from who she was when she was just with them to a year later, the idea of letting go. And I think there's a very real question. Yes, she's taken on the first officer role. Uh, She has not. Uh, you know challenged for the the captaincy and it made the most story sense it made the most character sense um she says she doesn't think it's ever been her um and now this question and with Giorgio and her influence on her in her life as an officer uh Will she do the right thing? She doesn't at one point already in this episode. I mean, it, it leads to help. It works out that way. But, you know, we're told that with the Dilithium, she could run a Sector or 12. Um, there's the whole combat simulation uh, that she's going through. She's doing her, her Vulcan karate. Um, she's a changed character and yeah, we kid about, but probably not the, the forthcoming, um, you know, Burnham and book adventure book, (laughs) book, book, (laughs) which as I podcast on my laptop, I have a book book laptop case, um, completely unrelated, uh, CBS, all access paramount plus, uh, trademark, not ending, but, She has had these adventures. It has impacted her character. And, you know, where again might she zap out the season and could trajectory from her character uh, for her character lead away from Starfleet?
0: I just have a I have a hard time squaring how that how that could be when she clearly is the lead of the show. And I think that, I mean, let, let's even ignore for the for the moment, you know, season four they're preparing for and whatnot. You know, that that's not to say that in season four she has to be on the ship. Um, it, you know, it could be they have the fleet of two ships, and you know, she's a semi-private individual, not you know, not full on Starfleet. So I'm not saying there's not story reasons why. I just feel like baked into the show is the starship with the Starfleet crew. Um, but they're very clearly leaning into this notion of change. How changed how changed is she? Or let me put it this way, are they saying all these things for the benefit of, you know, a character redo and to say, all right, Soniqua, give us a different performance and all of that, and to kind of firmly explain that, or are they setting up, you know, is it character stuff or is it story stuff that they're setting up? That's kind of the question.
1: I think it's a little bit of both. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how it transpires. I think interesting with her arrival back aboard discovery, you know, we mentioned the people who show up, who's not there. And it begs the question, are they not close? No, Dr. Culber.
0: Yeah. Um, no, Dr. Culber, no commander non. I, I, I wish they were in there. I, I wonder, I'm still murky on the whole notion of how and this is not just Star Trek, but like how, how are you accredited cast member in some episodes? than when you're not in it, what, like what does that mean? Are you not getting paid for it? Like what what's kind of that whole behind the scenes process? But more kind of more kind of top level. Um, I mean, I guess the story didn't call for them, so better to better to not use if the story doesn't go that way. than to kind of you know shoehorn them in. Um, but I always take more of those characters than not.
1: Is the mention of Burnham's mother not being known by the people of Terralisium, are we done there, or could that be another way back for Burnham and Starfleet?
0: Um, I mean, my immediate thought was uh, by the rules of by the rules of time travel, wouldn't they have not heard of Mom because we're dealing with different um, realities? And is that always con- is that Star Trek consistent? That's not Back to the Future consistent. Um, so my initial take was this: Pete, she's asked about Mom because, of course, she cares about her mother, who you know was taken from her and then then brought back, and all the, and they expected to meet again if if the plan was successful. Uh, Or at the very least to have kind of crisscrossed in this whole time back and forth thing. Um, I think think it was Burnham the character... It was the way for the story to deal with Burnham the character who needs to talk about these things. Great, you talked about them. Now we're done with it. I will feel like... I feel like... Would it be great drama and great acting stuff for Burnham to be reunited with her mother in a circumstance where they can now be together... Uh, for the rest of Mom's life uh, and all that, sure. I don't know what the benefit is to the story versus just saying we're going to throw one line in there to say, and thus they were torn torn apart again by the by fate and by the 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 eddies of time flow. The end of the Mom story. We're never returning to it.
1: What did the Federation under Admiral Senatol need? And now that cenital is on discovery in the personage of adira uh is it as simple as oh i needed groceries
0: no i think it was i think that cenital was was a believer in the federation a believer in the ideals of starfleet as as the um you know, not the military projection of the Federation, but kind of as the, as the, you know, exploration, as, as the social projection of the Federation. Um, and with that comes, you know, some of the the security aspect of it, the military security aspect. I suspect Senatal knew that the situation on earth was, you know, that it was a lost cause today, this week, this month, this year. But send that message out there and maybe Starfleet comes back and maybe that can be the spark that starts to get uh, starts to get Earth back on the, the path of, of uh, you know tearing down the wall and opening up things and working with others and, and things like that. Um, the fact that it also coincidentally worked out where Senatol as you, you know in Trill form and in Adira now has led to Senatol who has this did did you catch it in the episode pete this lengthy memory who knew because certainly (laughs) nobody from back then knew who knew that the trill had all this stuff so it's like you know and obviously i'm being a little facetious here of course they brought a Trill character who can say well 900 years ago and then 850 and can give a whole timeline in the next episode or so um and by the way pete while we are on the topic of trills I needed to remind myself on Memory Alpha that though I am well-versed in the way trills work, and you are, and anybody who watched Deep Space Nine is, that was all under the umbrella of this is a secret in trill society, this is a secret outside trill society. Yeah, super trusted people like Captain Sisko know the deal and know about symbiotes and whatnot, but this is heavily guarded this was consistently heavily guarded in deep space nine and as you mentioned earlier pete when the trill were first introduced in tng nobody knew about it yeah. so we get the cheat that it's sphere data pete i read an article this morning that was explaining why burnham and saru weren't referencing riker okay i don't think you need that explained um really. but they have this cheat of the spear sphere, sphere data explains all And wowee, nobody knew this. Yeah, we at home knew way more than most people know about the Trill at any point in the Star Trek timeline.
1: Right, and enables them through the species and what goes on in this secretive part of their society to really be historians. Uh, So I love that they can dig into that. I think the question, Matt, that, you know, you mentioned Trill and, and Dax being the most notable of that species. Are we going to find out that there's a connection there? Should there be a connection there? The one regular we've not yet seen yet. OK, uh, uh, Gray, who is coming, presumably in the fourth episode, is, you know, Gonna have the get the Dax uh, symbiont in there. Uh, you know,
0: I wouldn't hate it because I think first of all, it's it's effortlessly done in this. It could be effort effortlessly done versus, you know, to have the Enterprise, you know, uh, P show up and you know then you're kind of like you're like oh well you wanted to do a thing and you set up all these rules why Starfleet ships don't show up but at the end of the season the the Enterprise is going to show up to do something like to have the Dax symbiont show up all these you know nearly a thousand years later i think it would there's nothing wrong with it you know there, there, there's clearly not a lot of symbiotes and 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 Dax would be interested in investigating this more i think it all Am I going to say, do I think it will happen? I'll vote no. But as you say, with the character of Grey, it's right there where it could be.
1: And I think, again, it could be very elegantly solved in dialogue. Retains the memories of others. We're not going to have the the full-on, oh, I also go by old man. And here I was Curzon. I was Judzia. I was Ezri. Uh, I knew a guy who loved baseball who went into a wormhole there was this other guy who had kind of a melty face and that actor died in 2019 like we don't need to recap all of that it could be well you know the the surname of Dax is with this symbiont and I have memories that go back so many however years and can recap story
0: yeah and i think that's uh, looking at discovery as part of this this major um kind of nostalgia driven uh phase that we're at in entertainment discovery keeps reinventing itself so you can say let's let me just show you 301 and if you're interested you can go back and watch more um pete i don't want to i don't want to uh uh Empty the to tank early for our Mandalorian discussion, but you can watch the Mandalorian 201 with all sort needing to know all sorts of references and all sorts of things across 30, 40 years of movie, or you can just watch it and go, well, that's a weird mystery dude at the end. I can't wait to learn more about mystery. Um, e- even though other people in the audience know the answer completely. So I think my point is this, it's not smart nowadays to put up too many boundaries to your audience where mm-hmm. it's like, well, you can only understand this if you go back. I think that's going to have been the shift. Hey, you want to get on board with, um, with Mad Men in season six, just go back and watch like the first 50 episodes on Netflix, then join us. You could do that, but I think nowadays people are like, no, 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 tell me why this season premiere. Tell me why this episode right, right now is the one that should make me join. So again, I don't think it's going to be like... gatekeeping's the... not cool. <laughs> uh, there you go. There you go.
1: Is what it is. I mean, this this episode hits it. You, you build a space gate and don't allow other people through it or allow your people to interact out of it, and everybody... With that, let's go to hailing frequencies.
2: Hailing frequencies open, sir.
0: We start, as we so oftentimes do, with our poll on Twitter... Uh, Can Discovery help an Earth trumped by a space wall? What did you think of this week's Star Trek Discovery? Pete, I have no doubt that the way I worded that might have led to some of the 9.4% who voted uh, Lieutenant Fake Badge. That's the lowest level. Um, Next up is Commander Crystal Maker, got 3.1%. Working our way up the list here, uh, Captain Pip Up My Heart, got 31.3%. And then Admiral Seasons Best got 56 percent pete for my money this was the best of the season so far
1: yeah and i think really kind of another pilot Uh, Discovery's done this on a number of occasions and okay new captain old ship same crew but a little different burn them back in the fold we'll get book back we've taken adira on uh let let's go find out now in more familiar territory but 931 years later what's taken place
0: Uh, we have some feedback on twitter we heard from james that's at big killin so much good the girl looks inspired by booker the lost year the new crewmate i think we're going to get some trill lore Burnham didn't know they had symbiotes, but it seems like common knowledge in DS9. Make it a Dax and give me Cisco flashbacks. Um, James also says, why was communication from as close as Titan so hard? Seems uneven in terms of what advanced and what they lost. But I trust the writers to get us answers. Interesting that a white male Titan was outside the wall and a black woman Earthling was guarding it. Pete, I think that is a stellar observation there mm-hmm. by James. It, it, it's something that I saw, but something that did not penetrate into my brain. And I, and I thank him for pointing out what they did there, where it's, you know, hey, hey, some of you out there, certainly not James, certainly not you and me, but hey, some of you out there, you got what you wanted. The problem is you ended up on the wrong side of the thing you wanted.
1: Right. I mean, that differences, again would set up and then we'd be excluding others uh yeah i mean you look at history you look at the history of the future it never works out we never sit back and reflect on oh well that was a good decision and it really you know for everybody involved completely panned out
0: Uh, In response to the tweet from James we heard from uh, and he heard from, is it over yet? That's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1. This was one of the few issues I had with it. That whole conflict seemed kind of out there. Tech that's a thousand years more advanced than discovery couldn't scan and find out when was human. Or know that something happened to the colony or communicate with each other. Other than that, dot, dot, dot. Uh, and and that is there dot 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 there's no continuation that i'm cutting off here Uh, we also heard from jt atkins it's at jta is me the entire episode was wonderful but i've already watched the first 13 minutes again and it was just as poignant and engaging as before great writing acting and directing it feels to me like this is both the true transition from season two to three way to go number one both of you so pete we are we are co-sharing number one uh under Captain Adkins there.
1: with, with uh, freaks? Wow.
0: Well um, there you go. And, and I guess uh and I guess Burnham as well. Um uh Andre Yeager that's at Dr. Pol in nineteen eighty three says Discovery returned to the traditional Star Trek values, cultural understanding, and nature conservation. Great writing again and a wonderful episode. Uh we heard Pete lot of, by the way I should just mention here's how I know that that the some people downvoted it um, in terms of it being in you know, almost 10% gave it the, the, the lowest rating. Um, we got more responses to our tweet in terms of people writing actual words, not just clicking a thing because they searched for hashtag Star Trek Discovery and got their, got their social media justice. Um, we had so many responses. It really, really was wonderful. Uh, we heard from Steve Salyer. That's at Salyer Steve. Frakes killed it again and is great at nailing the emotional beats. Uh, We heard from James Stifler, hashtag BidenHarris2020, that's at live, L-Y-V-E underscore wire. A well-done episode that was political commentary in the tradition of TOS. The resolution was a little too clean and neat, but again, in the tradition of TOS, so it works. And great maker. I have to turn in my lurker card. It took me 12 hours to recognize the name Adira pete we heard again from is it over yet who says uh about this episode not as good as the first two in my opinion but still great it's a high bar some terrific dialogue with burnham tilly stamets and georgio doug jones is incredible as saru with every word and every movement nice to see new characters hope to see Ndoye again so yeah pete i guess we can add that to the list of things that this season promises will come back. Uh, It's not just the return to Earth, but maybe Ndoye can say, oh my goodness, thank you so much for having us talk to Titan. Their new technology research really is awesome. Um, We also heard from JC, hashtag Harris 2020 wear a mask. That's at JCTheMythic. JC says episodes one and two were very similar, very high production values and both entry into new world stories, but with very little exposition. Episode 3 felt kind of like a bottle episode with sets relying heavily on exposition. I did like that it was much less murdery, though. Earth going full xenophobic sucks, but that makes total sense. Hope they are inspired to approve. Wonder if Vulcan is there at all. So your thoughts, Pete? Will we come across the Vulcans here?
1: I mean, if only we had seen a trailer where there's a Vulcan with... Ah,
0: I didn't see a trailer with (laughs) Vulcans. If I did, I'd forgotten it.
1: You watched it. Uh, Okay. gotta be i love that we play with the idea though that earth wasn't in the federation anymore so they're not on that flag uh that that we matt were the ones that dropped out there so i mean vulcan's gotta still be a member right they were the ones that brought us in in the first place i mean if we find out they're not even in it like who who's still holding it up? It's gotta be some legacy species, right?
0: All I know is this, Pete. The no I can barely imagine the idea that a, a a rational human being would take down the flag that represents them and replace it with some other flag, uh in some sort of some sort of local xenophobic superiority over the the nation or the federation that they are a part of and to just to keep that other flag up uh again in place of 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 a unifying flag to show to show you know one one group one nation one federation i can't imagine where they would get such ideas from to me it's just it's just crazy and i wonder if we're going to see flags change on november 4th but pete let's hear from jackie wolf that's at jackie wolf who says, upon first viewing, I am struck once again by the acting skills of Doug Jones and Sonico Martin-Green. The look shared between them on the transporter pad upon being reunited was, and then she has the applause emoji. Uh, Two tweets to go. We hear from Brett Williams. It's at B-W-D-E-S-M-O on Twitter. Uh, Really solid, and they used the story to reveal an issue. Really worked out great. All that said, I'll watch as much as I can get. And last but not least, uh, from Twitter, Pete, Phil Mason, that's at Philo1000. Uh, makes me wonder what happened to the first 999. But Phil says, so good, hashtag Star Trek Discovery.
1: But Matt, forget all those other listeners, okay, and their, their input is valued. Forget Admiral Senetal. Let's hear from Admiral Fred from the Netherlands.
2: Hello Matt and Pete and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 3. Beautiful episode, especially visuals, the close-ups and music. A lot of slow talking, I don't know how to say it differently, emotional discussions between almost everybody, between Georgiou and Michael, between Saru and Michael, between Book and Michael, between Tilly and Michael. On the other hand, perhaps a little bit too much of that. I was wondering last podcast what we would uh, experience from Michael's past in the in the last year and here we got some answers so what they do is they use just teasing between Booker and and Michael and all kinds of adventures that they had together were referenced although we only half know what they did together but it shows a kind of in- intimacy they had and probably not love relationship or sexual but at least as big big buddies kind of buddies in crime of course a nice twist that these raiders were actually also humans and that talking always helps Stamets is making a connection to this earth girl with the Trill symbiont I wonder what his relationship with her will be, will it be the same as with Tilly and how will this influence the relationship between Tilly uh, and this girl? Or will this intervene in the relationship between Tilly and Stamets, that there will be a kind of jealousy perhaps even? Okay that was a very short feedback, all for now, greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. (laughs)
0: Fred wondering how Adira will fit into the kind of, you know, the existing character relationships. Do you think Pete that Stamets will become a mentor for Adira? He
1: already has. And I like what Fred's thinking about setting up a rivalry for Stamets attention. But again, you know, the Admiral talking about how talking always helps that eventually Tilly and Adira will see eye to eye and speaking of,
0: of Tilly what struck me in this episode with the presentation of Adira as you know as the young the young person what is this you know Wesley wow kind of all that <laughs> stuff which I know is not completely Adira because of the, the the trill and the wisdom there it did make me wonder moving forward what is the room what's the story space for silly Tilly you know, for the the wide-eyed cadet, you know, scratch, wide-eyed uh, ensign, you know, is she going to get, is is she as a character going to get less of that kind of, you know, silly, you know, F this, kind of like, like I'm the one that doesn't quite fit because I'm new. Well, here she is, a veteran of the war, a veteran of time travel, and so on and so forth. Are we seeing a change away from Silly Tilly?
1: I don't know that we'll ever see her not be, herself not be what we've seen before but she's clearly grown she's experienced profound loss like so many of them have she's in this far-flung future trying to figure out what her place is and i mean we know of her aspiration to be a captain and if the show doesn't ultimately go there i i feel we're gonna feel cheated do you make her lieutenant Now, this season, that might be a little bit soon. Uh, The other thing I've been thinking about recently, Matt, is will there be, in this future, a time jump at some point? Um, You know, is there a a time jump from season three to season four? Okay, it's been seven years since we've landed in the future, and, you know, we've reestablished the Federation post burn and against the the Borg-Romulan Alliance or whatever big threat's going to be hanging out there.
0: My initial reaction was I never like it when they do that. And I started to think of all the times it's been successfully done in shows and the, the story benefits. Um, so I think that's, there's not evidence for that yet, but this is still a very young season. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's one to keep an eye on. So Pete, certainly the adventure uh, continuing uh plenty i mean 10 more episodes plenty of star trek ahead uh let's not forget pete that uh that final episode of this calendar year at least in these united states that's episode 800 of star trek mm-hmm. so lots of stuff to count down towards uh pete how can people be in touch with you to talk about the future of discovery
1: you can find me on twitter at peter p i e t e r j k l r k e t e l a a r 11,675 followers. Can't be wrong.
0: And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are fantastic geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's
1: more facebook.com slash fantastic geek, all one word with the P and the H like it today.
0: As mentioned before, for those listening on the pop culture podcast feed, we'll be back Uh, tomorrow-ish, certainly by Monday, to talk episode 201 of The Mandalorian. If you're here for all Star Trek all the time, we'll be back next Saturday for Discovery 304. With that, Pete, time to say adios to all the listeners, and I will give you the final word. Cake is
1: eternal.